Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Today is October 15th, 2021, and to start, we have some very serious news. A conservative member of parliament in the UK has been assassinated, stabbed several times. The suspect is in custody. The motive is not yet known. In our next story, former President Bill Clinton admitted to the ICU with sepsis. Now, many people are concerned because Joe Biden's actually older than Bill Clinton and their fears he's unfit and may be sick. In our last story, the economy is in dire straits. Joe Biden is being slammed online as bare shelves Biden as our holidays are under threat due to pumpkin, turkey and Christmas tree shortages. Yet Democrats still believe the economy is good. And before we get started, leave us a good review. Give us five stars and share the show with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. A very serious breaking story has just occurred, a tragedy. A conservative member of parliament, a Tory in the UK, has just been assassinated. He was out meeting with constituents when a 25-year-old man stabbed him multiple times. They tried to save his life, and unfortunately, he didn't make it. Now, we don't know the full details just yet, although many people are already inching towards, look, it's a Brexit campaigner. It's a conservative, anti-abortion, opposing gay marriage. Some people believe that this was motivated by leftism or perhaps Islam. We don't know. I'm not going to to lay blame just yet because you really, really don't know. I mean, maybe personal issues, maybe family related. We really have no idea. The police haven't issued uh, that information yet. But I do think this is a good time to point out a few things. For one, uh, seeing this story, as well as the story of Joe Cox, who was killed in the UK uh, around five years ago, I don't see this as necessarily escalation in terms of cultural conflict. Although the UK and the US are very different, they still have a lot of similarities in the culture war and what's happening to the West and progressives and all that stuff. Uh, this, this, this kind of thing happens. And we saw it a few years ago. We've seen it years before. We've seen violence. And that's why I think it's so important to call out all of it and not be accepting of it. Now, while we don't know that this event was, was motivated by a, say, far leftist or maybe a, a Islamist or anything like that, We do know that the media in the United States and the UK has been rather dismissive of far left violence. And while, again, we don't know that this is the the case, we need to make sure we're highlighting all of it. Now, I can certainly point out what happened with Joe Cox. I can certainly point out that absolutely there are people on the right or people who oppose the left who are violent as well. With the media giving a free pass to say Antifa and and the Labour Party and things like that, I think uh, uh, you're going to see more things like this. 
It is, it is, it is behavior that is excused. On Twitter, people are cheering for this. This is a horrifying story. Let me read you the news and we can talk about what's going on. Again, I think this will be uh, a contributing factor in escalation between the, you know, the, the left and the right, but I don't believe that this is the result of. I think sometimes these tragedies happen. The Daily Mail reports, Tory MP David Amos is murdered. Tragedy as married father of five, 69, is stabbed to death by knifeman who stormed into his constituency surgery in South End Methodist Church in front of horrified onlookers and as armed police arrest suspects 25 at the scene. They say the popular politician who won at the last general election with a margin of 14,000 votes was, was stabbed by a 25-year-old killer in a church, no less. His attack, attacker sprinted into the church and stabbed him to death during the weekly surgery as constituents watched in horror. Paramedics worked to save the politician on the floor of the Essex church for more than an hour, but he could not be saved after the appalling attack. The murder bore chilling similarities to the killing of Joe Cox, who was shot and stabbed multiple times outside her constituency surgery at a local library in Burstall, West Yorkshire, in June 2016 by a right-wing terrorist. Sir David, a married father of five whose wife Julia is also his part-time caseworker, is the seventh MP to be murdered and the ninth in history to be attacked. It is not know if Mrs. Amos was at the church when her husband was murdered. Horrified constituents waiting to see the veteran MP, an ardent Brexiteer and royalist, watched in horror as he was stabbed, calling the police at 12.05 p.m. Police confirmed Sir David's death at around 3 p.m. Counter-terror officers and armed units are at the scene. One woman ran out of the church in the chaos, yelling down the phone, yelling down the phone after dialing 999, telling the call handler, someone's been stabbed. Please get here soon. He's not breathing. Essex police held the attacker at the scene and seized a weapon. He is now in custody and arrested on suspicion of murder. I, I love how they do that, but you got to at least respect the system. Suspicion. Yikes. Dude's right there holding the weapon. People watched it happen. Sir David, a Brexiteer veteran MP who has voted against gay marriage and abortion, was seen laughing and speaking to people on the steps of the church just 15 minutes before he was knifed. We could see a police cordon set up. Someone outside told me a woman had come out screaming on the phone, saying someone's been stabbed. There was a lot of talk. Okay, right. We get it. Poignantly, Sir David wrote last year about the importance of meeting constituents despite what had happened to Joe Cox. He wrote, quote, she was a young woman with a family going about her duties, as we all do, completely unaware of the threat that she faced. While it is often said that good can come out of someone's death, it is difficult to see what good can come from the senseless murder. He also admitted he had been threatened at his home in the past and has and had to had add additional security to his property. It is understood MPs will now see police present at all MP surgeries in a major shakeup of security. The parliamentary source told Mail Online that it is now essential, quote, the commons will have a complete review again. The source said police need to be at surgeries. It is the only solution. Now, I don't know a whole lot about the parliamentary system or UK politics. My understanding is the commons is kind of like the house. It takes something like this to shock everyone into action. Another insider said we cannot have a disconnect between MPs and their constituents. MPs are already pulling their surgeries back because they are worried, but we cannot let them win. The electorate, have a, the electorate have a right to meet their MP. I completely agree with that. They complained that different police forces take different approaches. In some places, MPs are driven to and from events by police. In others, where there might be higher risk, they are not. Sir Lindsay Hoyle, Speaker of the House of Commons, said, I am shocked and deeply distressed by the killing of Sir David Amos. David was a lovely man devoted to his family, to Parliament, and his South and West constituency. He was well-liked by members and the staff alike. 
and during his almost four decades here, built a reputation for kindness and generosity. This is an incident that will send shockwaves across the parliamentary community and the, and the whole country. In the coming days, we will need to discuss and examine MPs' security and any measures to be taken. But for now, our thoughts and prayers are with David's family, friends, and colleagues. Kerry Johnson had led the tributes to the MP today, tweeting absolutely devastating news about Sir David Amos. He was hugely kind and good, an enormous animal lover and a true gent. This is so completely unjust. Thoughts are with his wife and children. Secretary of State for Transport Grant Shapps described Sir David Amos as a true parliamentarian. He tweeted, awful, tragic news about David, a dedicated, thoughtful man and a true parliamentarian who lost his life while serving the constituents who he worked relentlessly for throughout his career. My thoughts are with his family and friends at this time. Judith Cannon, deputy chair of the local conservative club and friend of the MP said, I just don't believe it. How could any how anyone could harm a kind man like David? I don't know. I cannot understand how anyone could be so wicked to harm this man. Brendan Cox, the husband of murdered MP Joe Cox, tweeted after the death. My thoughts and love are with David's family. They are all that matter now. This brings everything back, the pain, the loss, but also how much love the public gave us following the loss of Joe. I hope he can do the same for David now. This is horrifying, man. This is really, really horrifying stuff. And um, I mean, this is what uh, this is. This is nightmarish. There's a lot of photos showing the police and things like that. You know, in the U.S., there's a lot of people on the left who say ban guns, but it's not going to change the fact that, you know, we 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 live in. I don't know how to describe it. But we uh, interesting times to say the least. And with the internet, and with the rapid exchange of information, it's becoming. It will be more dangerous in many respects. In today's day and age. Someone can just know where a politician is. It's, it's not hard. You can follow the person. You can see them posting. You can track their schedule. Back in the day, without the internet, you know, people in Chicago weren't hearing all that much about what was happening in the day-to-day operations of, like, say, uh, uh, someone in New York. But now people can just see on Twitter where anyone or everyone is, and it's becoming hyper-nationalized. And now you have stories like this. So I, I, will, I will say, look, again, I don't know that this is the result of escalation. These are things that happen. Uh, as noted by what happened to Joe Cox, well, the Joe Cox Foundation has released a statement saying, we are devastated to hear the news of the death of Sir David Amos MP. We send our deepest sympathies to his family, loved ones, staff and colleagues. All elected representatives deserve to be safe and to be treated with respect. Violence and abuse against them is utterly unacceptable. It endangers people and their families in an endangers democratic life. The Joe Cox Foundation is committed to working towards a future where no politician is subject to violence or intimidation. The R.T. Han Jacques Smith chair uh, of the Joe Cox Foundation said, this is a tragic loss for those who knew and loved Sir David. My heart goes out to them. I knew him as a generous and dedicated colleague in parliament. Public life must be safe for those we ask to serve in all in our democracy. That is a responsibility for us all. Okay. right now on Twitter, there are absolutely vile people cheering this on. It is the rule on the right, that uh, conservatives, at least in the United States, do not cheer on death and destruction. But it's the exception that there are people on the right that do cheer for this, that gloat when Ruth Bader Ginsburg passes. Even Trump didn't, didn't do anything like that. Trump was like, wow, I mean, she was a tremendous woman and said very kind words. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. 
and you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds, and stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's arkseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. arcseedkits.com. It is the rule on the left that they gloat and cheer for this stuff online. High profile verified accounts. And I think this may be due to something I've described in the past, some kind of uh, bias effect we see where it works like this. Imagine there are two children and one is covered in ice cream all over their face. Their hair is messy. They're just their shirt is all just disheveled. And the other child is clean and well kept. People look at the clean child and say, that's clearly the more responsible child. Not dirty, not all messy. And the messy child clearly was not raised properly and needs to learn some manners. But it may turn out that the reality is the mother is only allowing one child to have ice cream. You see what I mean? Of course, the child who's all dirty and messy looks is, is all dirty and messy. He was given ice cream. The other child is clean only because he was not given the ice cream. The analogy, the point. When conservatives, most egregious actors, and even some of its more moderates are suspended, then the only thing left on the right are these very moderate milk toast individuals like me, for instance, right? Now, I don't consider myself to be conservative, but in the culture war, you get the point. On the left, the craziest of crazies are given free reign to say crazy things. And so what becomes of the left? They fall in line behind psychopaths because they're verified, because they're allowed to say these things. Take a look at this story from the Post Millennial. British Labour MP faces jail time for threatening to throw acid on women. Okay, well, this isn't a particularly this is a particularly egregious example, but you can see just what the left is willing to do. I mean, this is the UK, but still. In the story from the Post Millennial, they say. British MP Claudia Webb is facing jail time after she was convicted of harassment. Webb threatened another woman saying that she would throw acid on her face and would send naked photographs of the woman to her family. This after the woman had been in contact with Webb's boyfriend, Lester Thomas. According to the Times, the Leicester East MP had been suspended from the Labour Party and has vowed to remain in her seat as MP while she appeals the conviction against her. Webb reportedly told Westminster magistrates during uh, court during the trial that she had made a series of calls to her boyfriend's friend, boyfriend's friend to express her anger that Thomas and Michelle Merritt were breaking then COVID-19 lockdown rules by meeting up. She reportedly called Merritt a slag in one of those calls, threatened to throw acid on her and said that she would send naked videos and photos of Merritt to her daughters. I mean, well, let's just like this is wow. This is crazy. Webb told Westminster Magistrates Court that she had made a series of calls to her boyfriend's friend to express her anger at Thomas over breaking COVID lockdown rules. In another call recorded by Merritt, Webb could be heard yelling, get out of my relationship 11 times. Webb told the court that Thomas had been her boyfriend since 2017, while she was unaware the two had previously dated. She said she's not jealous of Thomas and Merritt's ongoing friendship. I mean, 
this is very clearly, you know, internal issues. But the point is, you know, look, this is the kind of extreme rhetoric, Black Lives Matter, the things we hear from the far left, the things they get away with. And I show this just to make the point about the exception versus the rule. You take a look at Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing and almost every single person in the mainstream from right to left was saying this is sad. And then you had a small faction of people on the right who were cheering for Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing. On the left, they show up and pound in the doors of the Supreme Court calling Kavanaugh all the worst names in the book, accusing, of, accusing him of insane crimes which are just ridiculous. Now, apparently, leftists have stormed the Department of the Interior. Many people are likening it to the insurrection, as the left likes to call it. But of course, they're going to get a free pass on this one. Now, take a look at this story from Post Millennial. Portland businesses beg city leaders for help due to rapidly deteriorating neighborhood conditions. I I bring up these stories in relation to what happened in the UK to to, to remind everybody. We can talk about the far right. I have no problem with that. I think we should. But I certainly think that's all they talk about. The only thing they ever say is the far right is the threat. The far right is the threat. But the far left does stuff too. Now, I don't know that uh, David Amos was, was attacked by a far leftist. I don't. I'm just saying for whoever it was, it was wrong. It was bad. It's horrifying. And we need to make sure we're talking about all of the violence. Yes, there are far right extremists. Absolutely. Joe Cox lost her life due to a right wing individual. Now, many point out what does right wing really mean? And I think this is where the interesting conversation actually comes in, because right is not a unifying moniker. You take a look at the left. And when we say the left, what do they have in common? They tend to be collectivist. They tend to support many of the same causes. They tend to be more uh, about socialism or social programs. You take a look at the right, and it's become a catch-all term for not left. It's fascinating. Then when the left criticizes the right or anybody who is associated with the right, the media just calls it criticizing the right, when in reality, the left is just opposed to basically everybody. For example, you'll take a look at uh, articles written about me saying I'm right wing when my policies are clearly on the left. The only difference, I oppose critical, critical theory, and I'm, I don't know, relative. I tell the truth. How about that? I get things wrong, but I report the news. That's, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example of fake news. Um, David Pakman, I'll give him a shout out. David Pakman posted fake news, and it's not the first time. And in the past, I've reached out to him with like, hey, here's a fact check. He doesn't care. He literally doesn't care, okay? I put corrections on YouTube videos all the time. We do corrections on the show all the time. And we try to, when we get adequate, you know, uh, notification of, of corrections. We have a correction policy on TimCast.com. We take it very, very, very seriously. In fact, we're launching a nonprofit to do fact checking. Uh, but David posted a story where he said that he posted a video clip of him saying, Donald Trump has told Republicans not to vote, which is just not true. All of these are part of the problem in understanding what's happening. And when you see lies like that, you'll, you'll end up with Anybody who opposes the establishment is right wing. But what does that even mean? A right wing terrorist. Perhaps it can mean ultra ultra traditionalist. It typically doesn't mean anarcho capitalist. So I don't honestly don't know. This is the nature of, of, of the world we're living in. Now, this is the UK. I don't know for the, the harsh details of or, or the specifics of what's happening with the UK in their culture war, but it is similar. But I will say if you think the story is bad, then you need to understand that that's the direction we're headed in. We've got people on the left who have cheered for the arrest for harm to come to many people. They're political rivals. 
The Democrats are discussing arresting Steve Bannon because he doesn't want to testify to a, to a, a grand jury about January. I'm sorry, to, to Congress, not a grand jury. He doesn't want to testify to Congress about what happened on January 6th. And it's ridiculous because he could simply just be like, can't remember, don't know, can't remember. That's the thing. Now, if you're saying you can't remember and it's like becoming obvious you're lying, they'll probably put some pressure on you. But for the most part, if you're to testify, you know, I don't know, don't remember. Nope, didn't happen. I have no idea what you're talking about. Steve Bannon saying, no, he's not going to, he's not going to be pressed by this. While this story in the UK, again, I'm, I, I really, really want to stress, I don't think it's escalation. We are getting dangerously close here in the United States. So long as we have a news apparatus that won't tell us the truth, I think we are, we are becoming even more vulnerable day by day. People on the right know, and they're learning their lessons swiftly, that they've got no advantages in the media, that they will be lied about, and then they will go to jail. Because they'll, and, and you look at what's happening with January 6th defendants. They're having their civil rights violated. One defendant apparently broke, uh, broke his wrist or hand, and a court ruled he needed medical treatment, but the warden and the director of, the, of corrections did nothing. Now those two individuals are being held in contempt for violating the civil rights of this individual. The judge said he wants that to be investigated. You look at what happened with Antifa. They, they went around D.C. in 2017, smashing and destroying, setting fires. They were released the next day. The January 6th defendants have been in for nine months. Because one's a real threat and one isn't, I suppose. One is actual people standing up and saying no, and the other is a weapon of the state. Antifa is, is, is effectively doing, helping out the establishment. Now, some people say they're the violent militant wing of the Democratic Party. They don't like Democrats. Antifa hates Democrats. But for some reason, they keep aligning with them politically. And so while they don't completely agree, and they'll use those as an excuse to be like, we don't agree, they certainly do. Now, I'll be the first to say this. My policy positions tend to be further left than most Republicans and conservatives. I'm center left on many issues. And you can take a look at my, my public donor history, like who I donated to, more Democrats than Republicans, but you know, that won't be the case moving forward. But I have no problem saying that I will agree with and work with Republicans on many issues. I suppose that's true of many of these leftists. The problem, I would not be willing to do that if these Republicans were violent. The left is willing to work with these other leftists that are violent. They're willing to engage in what they call a diversity of tactics. I don't want to live this way. I don't want to, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear stories about a guy going to a church and then being killed. I don't want to learn about Joe Cox or, or any of these individuals. We're being Steve Scalise. I don't want to hear these stories. You know, the stories I want to hear is um, Sanjay Gupta owned in debate. Joe Rogan, you know calls out Sanjay Gupta. I want to see Joe Biden called out in a debate. I want to see Donald Trump called out in a debate. I want to see the good ideas win. I don't know if we can have those nice things, though, because there are lunatics who will always push and refuse to just play by the rules, I guess. Within reason, I can understand someone not wanting to play by any particular rules. But what we're talking about is people who are trying to have a conversation to move, move, the, move their country or cause forward. So long as it's happening peacefully, I think it's a good thing. But in these past few months, these past few years, it really does feel like things are going to get worse, doesn't it? So maybe, maybe this story about, uh, you know, this assassination is an escalation. We don't know who the, who the murderer is just yet. So I don't want to jump the gun on that, but maybe it's escalation. Maybe we need to be aware of that. We shouldn't live our lives as though it's happening, though. We should live our lives to the best of our abilities as normal. And that may mean leaving cities because things are getting worse. My condolences to uh, uh, David's family, to his supporters. It's a sad, sad story, man. I wish these things didn't have to happen. 
I wish these things didn't happen. They don't have to happen. That's the point. Misspeaking there. I wish these things didn't happen. They don't have to happen, but some people just lose their minds. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Major breaking news from last night. Bill Clinton has sepsis from a urinary tract infection and is currently in the ICU. Now, Daily Mail says that he is on the mend. He is responding well to antibiotics. After two days of treatment, Hillary Clinton has gone to visit him. And we'll, we'll, we'll break down the gist of this story. I think it's important. I mean, this is a former president. But I think people need to understand something much more important. Bill Clinton is three years younger than Joe Biden. And the American people think Joe Biden is mentally unfit. But I have to question someone of this age, between 75 and 78, where has Joe Biden's medical assistance been? I mean, perhaps he's just a spry and healthy old man. But considering the brain surgery that Joe Biden's had, and I mean this with all due respect, I'm not trying to disparage him over the fact that he's you know, received these surgeries. And I certainly hope Bill Clinton uh, comes out OK on this one. And I'll recognize, you know, people get old and, and, and people get old and people die. But I, I have to assume that a, a someone, a someone of this age is going to be undergoing frequent medical treatments or checkups. Perhaps this is why Joe Biden keeps going back to Delaware, where he doesn't keep a log of who is visiting him. And again, with no disrespect, but I have to imagine a doctor is coming to check up on him. And I, I suppose it'd be a good thing. As bad of a president as he is, we want to make sure he's at least alive. I don't know if people would be happier with Kamala. Some people probably would be Kamala, Kamala, whatever. Let's read the story from the Daily Mail, and then we'll talk about the age of the current president as it pertains to this story. The Daily Mail says, Hillary Clinton has been pictured visiting her husband, Bill Clinton, the California ICU, his intensive care unit, as the former president battles sepsis caused by a urinary tract infection. A spokesman for the Democrat commander in chief said last night he is on the mend, having been admitted for treatment for a non-COVID issue. He's been talking to staff and family and walking around, it was reported. A somber looking Hillary, who was in California with her husband for his appearance at an event in relation to his foundation, was pictured flanked by security officers as she entered the unit last night before being driven away in the back of a car. We can see more photos here. Looks like she's with, is that, is that Huma Abedin? I'm not entirely sure. They don't say in the captions. She's wearing a mask too. So we see these photos. Statement from me on President Clinton on Tuesday evening, President Clinton was admitted to the UCI Medical Center to receive treatment for a non-COVID related infection. He's on the mend in good spirits and incredibly thankful to his to the doctors, nurses and staff providing him with excellent care. Statement from the uh, from the physician, Dr. Lisa Bardak. President Clinton was taken to UC Irvine Medical Center and diagnosed with an infection. He was admitted to the hospital for close monitoring and administered IV antibiotics and fluids. He remains at the hospital for continuous monitoring. After two days of treatment, his white blood cell count is trending down and he is responding to antibiotics well. The California-based medical team has been in constant communication with the president's New York-based medical team, including his cardiologist. We, we hope to have him go home soon. So let's just a, a quick uh, understanding of sepsis. And I think this does pertain to what we see with Joe Biden. The silent killer, everything you need to know about sepsis, reports the Daily Mail. The life-threatening condition strikes when an infection triggers a violent immune response in which the body attacks its own organs. It can happen as a result of any type of infection, whether caused by a virus, bacteria, or fungus. Sepsis may pro progress to septic shock, a dramatic drop in blood pressure that can lead to severe organ damage and death. If caught early, the infection can be controlled by antibiotics before the body goes into overdrive. 
more than 11 billion people around the world, including 45,000 in the UK and 270,000 in the US die of sepsis each year, data suggests. It means the illness, which is known as the silent killer, claims more lives than smoking and pollution. But the very early symptoms of sepsis can be easily confused with more mild conditions, meaning it can be difficult to diagnose. They say, uh, the sep- this, I guess it's the, 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 uh, the mnemonic, sepsis, slurred speech or confusion, extreme shivering or muscle pain, passing no urine in a day, severe breathlessness, it feels like you are dying, skin mottled or discolored. Now, they want to mention the health issues of President Bill, uh, former, former President Bill Clinton. And look, I'm not here to question the mental integrity of Bill Clinton. He's not the president. But I am here to point out something that a lot of people were kind of shocked to discover. While Bill Clinton, 75, is currently in the ICU with this medical condition, people started to say, hey, wait a minute. Isn't Joe Biden older than Bill Clinton? Yes. I want to just quickly show you some photos just for context and then talk about the news and talk about Joe Biden as president and some questions that need to be answered. This is a photo. I, I tried to find a good photo of Joe Biden. I'm not trying to pull up some photo of him looking all decrepit and deranged. I wanted a regular looking photo. This may be touched up. I don't know. And that's the challenge. But you can see quite an old man. We have here a current photo of Bill Clinton. It's comparable, in my opinion, and a photo of Bill Clinton when he was president, a much, much younger man. My friends, I do not believe Joe Biden is physically or mentally fit to be the president of the United States. And I think people voted for him because they hated Trump. I think most of you know this, and I think this spells very serious. uh, this, This presents very serious dangers to our country. Let's take a look at this. Did Joe Biden have brain surgery? Former vice president and now president-elect Joe Biden had brain surgery on two occasions in 1988. He suffered from nerve pain in his neck in, uh, 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 in, in, in his neck February of the late 80s, which according to the New York Times, he thought was due to, to a viral infection. In his autobiography, Promises to Keep, he wrote that he passes out from the pain in the hotel room for four or five hours. He was admitted to a Delaware hospital, for, Delaware hospital before he was transferred to Walter Reed Army Medical Center where he underwent a six-hour surgical procedure to fix an aneurysm that started leaking at the base of his brain. In May of the same year, Biden underwent a second operation to repair another aneurysm on the opposite side of his brain that was at risk of bursting. During the 2008 presidential race, Capitol physician Dr. Isold said that Biden had recovered fully without continued effects from the brain issues he experienced decades prior. I uh, hope this uh, hope for this man the best. I will never gloat over someone suffering a condition like this. I wouldn't wish conditions like this on my worst enemies. And I, I genuinely mean that. I mean, when it comes to the culture war and the crisis, I want to be victorious on the merits and, 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 and strive towards a better future of compassion, reason, understanding, personal responsibility, individual liberties. But still, even with individual liberties comes a shared collective uh, goal, right? So I want to see this country improve through reason, not through suffering. And so, you know, look, far be it from me to, to, to ever say anything like that, because you know what happens? There's something called poetic justice. And I've had my fair share, you know, insulting people. And then I, I've had the, I have these stories where it's like I've been hanging out with friends and I like, would like rag on someone. And then the next day I would meet them, you know, someone like I didn't know. And I'd be like, that person's this, that or otherwise. And the next day I'm meeting them, I'm like, now I feel really bad. So... I'll try to just, you know, be a bit nicer, as it were. And for all I know, you know, maybe you or I ends up in a position like Joe Biden with 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 a serious uh, aneurysm or requiring surgeries. And I could only hope that people would be compassionate. 
I know they won't. I know that you're going to see people reveling and cheering for, for pain and suffering. I'm not all about that. But let's talk about the age of Joe Biden and what's going on with his presidency. This is from August 20th. Kind of, we'll, we'll consider this one of those flashback episodes that they do in sitcoms where they do all the re- rehashing. Most voters deem Biden unfit to be president, poll shows. Around, fewer than 40% of likely voters believe Joe Biden is carrying out the duties of the presidency, according to a poll released Friday as the U.S. evacuation of Afghanistan continues to spiral out of control. Now, it is from Rasmussen, and many people think Rasmussen is biased, or perhaps you think Rasmussen is actually just more accurate, because in a lot of ways they are. But regardless, it's not the only poll to exist showing this. Which brings me now to the more modern state of affairs, the Truman Show presidency. Interesting. Biden ridiculed for using fake White House set. I think by now you've realized There exists a carefully crafted reality in the mainstream media shielding people from what's actually going on in this country. I don't believe that Joe Biden is a functional president. I think the deep state, the bureaucratic state, the permanent government, the intelligence community are the ones that are actively are are actually pulling the strings as they tend to be, in which case Biden is nothing more than a marionette. That's why no one really cares about where he is or what he's doing. My question is, why is he using a fake White House set? Why is the media lying about it? Again, you take a look at the age of this man, and I have to wonder if there are deeper medical issues at play. Fox News reports, social media users shamed and mocked President Biden Wednesday after he spoke once again from a fake from a fake White House set that featured a digital monitor showing the Rose Garden in full bloom. The reason Biden uses this bizarre virtual set for televised meetings and not an actual room like East Room, Cabinet, Oval, Roosevelt, Sit Room, etc., is because it allows him to read a script directly from a face on monitor and without a teleprompter glass that can be seen on camera. Stephen Miller, who served as senior advisor to former President Donald Trump, wrote on Twitter, and I believe that's likely the reason. If he was in any other place in the White House, they'd have to wheel in some kind of large teleprompter. And we've already seen he does use them and they're massive. Which makes me wonder, you know, is the president fit to serve? Is this 78 year old man cognitively functioning? I think the answer is overwhelmingly no. That's why they don't let him take questions. But then who's not letting him do what? Who's in charge of this man? My friends, when you see stories about the elderly being admitted to hospitals, I just think Joe Biden, he's been flying back to Delaware. We don't know who's been visiting him. I'm willing to bet it's doctors. And I'm not trying to say that to be mean. The guy needs doctors, but they don't want to make you, you know, they don't, they don't want people to see that. So instead he just keeps going back to Delaware. I'm sure this dude is being, he may as well, you ever see, uh, you ever play Fallout New Vegas where, um, what's the guy's name? I can't remember the guy's name. The, 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 the main villain or the main antagonist is like this old man who's cry, like being on life support with all his machines. That's what it feels like. The video set, which was constructed across the White House in the South Court Auditorium in the Eisenhower Executive Office Building, is used by Biden for video conferences and events broadcast online, featuring professional monitors and lighting. It is the same set Biden used to show himself receiving a third dose of the Pfizer vaccine. Truman Show Presidency saith Jack Posobiec. Do they not allow him in the actual White House? Kimberly Morin wondered. Is it a common thing? Fox 19 asked. I saw pics of the set when he got the booster shot. I actually didn't believe it was real. Take a look at this. Benny Johnson says, why does Joe Biden feel the need to use a fake White House set across the street from the actual White House? I don't know. How about this one? 
PolitiFact. You're going to love it. The White House, quote, created a fake set for President Joe Biden to get his booster shot. The entire Biden presidency is one giant charade. False. How do you declare an opinion to be false? Okay, the first part I get they're saying is fake, but I love the manipulation from the likes of PolitiFact. I just love the political manipulation. No, the White House didn't create a fake set for just Joe Biden's booster shot. Oh, there it is. Just. Oh, you clever wordsmiths, you. They did create a fake White House set for Joe Biden, and they used it for his booster shot, but also for other things. So this is the game they play. We had Project Veritas on the show um, this past week. And was that was that on Monday or was that was that or last week? And um, it's funny because they had this big expose that fetal cells are used in the testing of the Pfizer COVID uh, mRNA vaccine. And I told James, you know what they're going to do? Someone's going to say, why do you use, you know, can you answer this? The story says you used fetal cells in the testing of this vaccine. And they'll respond with a non sequitur. We do not you, this is wrong. These stories are conspiracy theories. We do not use fetal cells in the vaccine. It is not the case. Whoa, 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 whoa. We didn't say in the vaccine. We said in the testing phase. That's exactly what they did. The media came out with fact checks saying viral story from Project Veritas has people believing that fetal cells are in vaccines. No, that's never what was claimed. These people are so vile. There's another story going around. Donald Trump uh, urges Republicans not to vote. Never happened. It didn't happen. I mean, maybe there's a story from way back when Trump said something. But I mean, like right now, the story they're claiming because Trump issued a statement saying that if we don't get to the bottom of the election issues, then Republicans won't be voting in 22 or 24. Sounds like he's saying no one will have confidence in the elections. He didn't say, hey, everybody, don't do this. He, he didn't say it. The media lies. Here we go. If your time is short, Biden received his booster shot in the South Court Auditorium of the Eisenhower Executive Office Building, a frequent venue for White House news events and photo ops. The backdrop behind Biden as he was getting his booster shot wasn't created for the event. It has been used five days earlier for a global coronavirus summit. I, you know, Louis Jacobson, who wrote this, you got to know he knows what he's doing, right? He knows he is playing dirty games. I just I just want to imagine this like, is it, he's the guy who wrote the, the fact check. I want to imagine this cheery eyed little nine year old Louis Jacobson writer who is like, you know, you know, playing around. It's the fuck. It's the late 80s. And then, you know, the teacher, he goes to school. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a journalist and I'll report the truth and then we'll make, you know, a whole accountable the powers. Or actually, you know what? Maybe that's not even the joke. Maybe the joke is when he was a little kid, he was like, one day I'm going to be a real journalist and I'll manipulate the public to protect corrupt individuals. Is that what his plan was? Because I'm imagining this guy was sitting there and they're like, hey, here's a fact check. A bunch of people are, are, are mocking Joe Biden over his Truman Show presidency. How can we trick people into thinking it's fake? Wow. When the fact checkers are the fake news, that's something truly, truly incredible. Isn't it? The real story and the criticism accurately portrayed by Fox News is that he's using a fake White House set. That's it. They add it was created for this one event, which is not what people claimed. It's amazing. It's just absolutely incredible how they play these dirty games. And once you understand the manipulation, it helps you see through it. So you have to wonder about, you know, 
what's going on with, with Bill Clinton. But again, Bill Clinton's not the president, so I'm not going to cry about it. I'm not that worried. Joe Rogan got some heat because a couple weeks ago, he questioned whether or not Biden even actually got a booster shot. He was like, I mean, would they really risk a live you know, display with, with a potential adverse reaction? My opinion is, yeah, because the risk's really low. You know, it's a good question. I mean, he's the president. They got to keep appearances up. So maybe, you know, Joe's saying they would give him saline or something. I just think they gave him the booster shot. Like people really overestimate the, the adverse event fact uh, risk on, of these things. He probably got a sore arm or whatever. Occam's razor, man. I'm not here to, to, to hate on someone or just believe something because it's convenient. A simple solution tends to be the correct one. And its simple solution is they just gave the dude a booster shot. But check this out. Democrats are worried. Fox News says, press suddenly grappling with Biden's political slide as Democrats grow worried. Biden is starting to own the lack of results as well as the blunders. Very interesting. It's almost like someone flipped a switch and the press suddenly discovered that Joe Biden is unpopular or perhaps that Democrats are increasingly nervous about the fate of the Biden presidency. But the previous conventional wisdom that Biden had simply hit a rough patch is being replaced by a more anguished debate. Each poll has been dutifully reported, each setback adequately chronicled. But there was no sense of critical mass as with yesterday's Politico headline. The president's decline is alarming. Biden trapped in coronavirus malaise. Now, I always hasten to add that polls are a snapshot and politics can be ephemeral. It would make no more sense to write off Biden than it did when he got trounced in Iowa and New Hampshire. Biden's problem is larger than the press, but his unusually low media profile isn't helping him. He grants few interviews, takes questions a couple times a week, and seems uninterested in driving a consistent media message. So the story becomes about vaccine mandates, battle, uh, mandate battles, or Hill gridlock or Haitian migrants with Biden and his team playing catch up or worse, looking like bystanders. Biden doesn't need to talk to reporters four times a day, as Donald Trump often did. But while sticking to mostly scripted events, worked fine in the campaign. And when things were going well, it's a strategy that is ill suited for turbulent times. No. So I can't I can't I can't tell you where we end up, to be completely honest. We have this from Sky News. People can see the serious mental decline of Joe Biden, even over in Australia. They're saying this. He is an old, old man. And now we bring it all back into context. Bill Clinton is an old man and he's sick because of a urinary tract infection. He's in the ICU and I wish him the best. Not a fan for the most part of the Clintons. I say for the most part because, you know, Bill's a little better than Hillary, but they're still pretty bad. I'm not a fan of the establishment or any of that stuff. And with, uh, with seeing a story like this, I have to wonder about the health of Joe Biden, who is older than Bill Clinton. This is what you get when people just hate Donald Trump. And it makes me wonder about what's going to potentially happen come 2024. I don't think Trump's going to be the right answer because he'll also be particularly old. How old is Trump now? He's 74, I think. How, I don't know. He's going, to be, he's going to be older in 2024. I mean, this is three years from now. And then you expect him to be president for another four years after that. that would be into, I'm pretty sure that would be into his 80s. So I don't I don't uh, I don't think that makes sense. I do take a look at someone like Ron DeSantis. Dude's a lot younger. He's much more with it. He's much bolder and he's more tactful. Maybe it's time that we all as, as, as the American people started talking about the age of our politicians. You know, this is what's really interesting. We have an aging political class. We have an aging workforce, period. What happens when they all age out? You know what? Just watching this, this country crumble. And for the most part, I blame boomers. 
I do. Um, I don't blame them as individuals. I blame them as the avalanche. I mean, the snowflake doesn't blame itself for the avalanche, but it's certainly a part of it. You see, young people, millennials, Gen Z, aren't working, uh, aren't taking these jobs. They're not becoming truck drivers. They're not becoming politicians. They're doing a lot of nothing. Now, they'll, they'll come out and they'll say, but we're struggling. No, they went to college. You know, it was always a bad idea to put all your eggs in one basket. Everybody should get an arts degree. Okay, well, who's going to run the government? Who has got the experience? Who's got the skills? Apparently nobody. The people that we need in government have like a good combination of community service, you know, military service, and business experience. Instead, we get career politicians like Bernie Sanders. We get retired businessmen who then just go into politics because for, you know, whatever, revolving door policies. We, we, we don't really have expert statesmen. I think Ron Paul, you know, he was a true statesman. The goal of a true leader is to uh, work to better the lives of the followers of the people in the country. But we don't have any of that. We just have lies, manipulation, and exploitation. We have become a nation of people seeking to extract as much value for ourselves to watch everything else burn. And so the left will come out and say, why won't the right get on board with collective, you know, collective uh, identity, you know, like, and common goals with the COVID vaccines? Because you guys are liars. Because you lie all the time. It's just lie, 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 lie. But the right certainly loves America and believes in national cohesion. The left just doesn't. They believe in tribal cohesion. These things won't coexist. But I suppose we have a few more years of Joe Biden, assuming all goes well. So we'll see how it plays out. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. You would have to be in a cult to believe that the economy is doing well right now, or at the very least, fairly good. You must be in a cult, right? We are being warned that due to the economic crisis, labor shortage, and supply shortage, there may be no pumpkins for Halloween. We're being told there may be no turkeys for Thanksgiving. We're being told toys will not be making it into this country in time for Christmas. And worse still, there's going to be a shortage of Christmas trees. Our holidays are being destroyed due to the economic crisis, which brings us to the latest trend on Twitter. Hashtag bare shelves Biden or bare shelf Biden or hashtag empty shelves Joe, because this is Joe Biden's economy. These are his policies exacerbated by, say, vaccine mandates. The economy is just getting worse. And we've warned about this over and over again, not just me, but many others. When you say you're going to raise the minimum wage, when you say that you're going to increase corporate taxes, when you say that you're then going to open up free trade, reducing tariffs, you're basically telling all of these companies, send your products to be made overseas and then ship them back in. And then what happens when there's a shipping crisis? I would like you to understand the sheer absurdity of today's modern era. With this story from the SL, Salt Lake City Tribune, shipping container apartments opening delayed by global shortages, developer says. Box 500 promises more than 80 units for renters, making less than 60% the Salt Lake City's median income. This one was just like, a grand slam, this story, in how bad the economy is. Okay, so let's do this. People can't afford apartments. So they decide to build low-income housing out of shipping containers. But now, shipping containers cost $20,000 to transport. I don't know how much the containers themselves cost, but they're probably going up in price as well, as all of these ships are being jammed up at the ports. 
Now, they're not only not going to be able to finish building the building, but it's probably going to be too expensive for low-income housing anyway. Talk about, is it is it irony? It's kind of irony, but also a weird kind of, I don't know what the right word is. It's ironic that low-income housing has now become too expensive because it was made of shipping containers, and shipping containers are becoming too expensive. But geez, this one really hits the nail on the head. My friends, I think the problem we face in this country is that half of the country is in a cult. The Democrats still believe the economy is good. What more needs to be said to tell these people everything is falling apart? Labor shortage, gas prices, food prices, the holidays on the verge of not even happening. Well, okay, they'll happen, but our pumpkins and our trees and our turkeys won't be available for us. And still, Democrats are like, okay, and I've got the data to back it up. If there's anything that should convince you that the mainstream media is lying and that the people who blindly walk behind Joe Biden are wrong, it's got to be this data. The economy is in serious trouble. We're never going to be able to get it straight and fix it so long as so many people walk in lockstep behind Joe Biden. But perhaps we're going to see something unique or relatively unique. Perhaps the real issue is the more people leave the Democratic Party and no longer identify as Democrats, the more you get left with cult members. So how could it be that there are more people who identify as Democrats who think the economy is good as the economy collapses? Because many people who identified as Democrats are saying, yo, I'm out. I'm no longer a Democrat. I mean, look, I gave to four Democrats in the past two years and two Republicans. It makes sense. I'm like a center left person. There were some Republicans I thought were all right. Sean Parnell, uh, notably, and uh, many other uh, Tulsi Gabbard, Andrew Yang, uh, some Democrats. Now I'm just like, I ain't going anywhere near the Democratic Party. And Andrew Yang quit the Democratic Party, creating the was it the forward party? Yeah, I think as a lot of people leave, only the true believers, the zealots of the cult will remain. Maybe. But let's take a look at the data and see what's going on with the economy. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member in order to get an ad-free experience and support our fierce and independent journalism. As a member, you'll get access to our exclusive members-only episodes of various shows, notably the TimCast IRL podcast with hundreds of of, of members-only uncensored conversations. And, and soon to be a couple more uh, members-only shows like The Green Room and our members-only show from Tales from the Inverted World. With your membership, we are building culture. We are setting up nonprofits to provide tools to people and to fact-check those liars in the media. So we're greatly appreciative. But make sure you like this video right now. Smash that like button. Subscribe to this channel and take the URL from this video and share it wherever you can. That's the most important thing you can do. It is network effect. If we all, and and, and not just me, if you share every video that you really like, don't just passively watch Crowder or my shows or or Carl Benjamin, take the the URLs, share them, because that's really going to help us grow, spread the culture, spread the message and fight for freedom. But let's get started with the news about Joe Biden. The Daily Mail reports frustrated shoppers share photos of bare aisles in stores across the country as empty shelves Joe trends on Twitter as the Biden administration's response to the supply chain crisis is slammed as too little too late. Now, what I love about this is that Jen Psaki is basically like everything's getting better and, and unemployment is going down. Oh, let me let me tell you something about that, my friends. If you refuse to get vaccinated, and your job mandates it, they deem that to be a voluntary resignation, which means no unemployment, not listed in the unemployment numbers and all that jazz. 
What they're basically doing is flubbing numbers to make it seem like everything's better than ever. And if you are in the cult of the establishment Democrats, then you probably believe everything they're saying. And that's why we get the polling data to suggest as such. Now, I'll get to that polling data, but let's, let, let's, let's read a little bit here. The, the uh, Daily Mail says dozens of cargo ships carrying hundreds of thousands of containers of goods from China and Asia are waiting to dock in California as concern grows about likely Christmas shortages. Some retailers, such as Costco and Walmart, are limiting sales of toilet paper in some areas, and toy company CEOs are telling parents to buy their kids gifts now to avoid disappointment. There are similar problems with homegrown goods that can't be transported quickly enough by truckers or, by, or on freight trains. The problems, which have tormented business owners around the world for months, are being laid bare for American shoppers who, when confronted with poorly stocked stores and rising prices on the items that they can find, are sharing photos on social media. Biden on Wednesday acknowledged the concerns and intervened by announcing that the port of Los Angeles, North America's busiest container terminal, would start 24-hour operations to help ease bottlenecks that are choking commerce and pushing up prices. Those round-the-clock operations began on Thursday. That's right. Removing restrictions on how often or how long these things can operate is the solution, I guess. Telling truck drivers they can now exceed the federal restrictions on how long they can drive. We're probably going to see some accidents. But when you're desperate, you're desperate. They say the move was too little too late for Republicans who accused the government of waiting months to try and fix the problem. On Thursday, it was revealed by Politico that as the crisis mounted, Biden's transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg, went on paternity leave in August and September after he and husband Chasen adopted twins. He is now back at work in a reduced capacity and will continue to take some time over the coming weeks to support support his husband and take care of his new children, the Department of Transportation spokesman said. Oh, I just love it. Man, this administration's AWOL. Where's where's Kamala Harris when the border crisis happened and she's the borders are gone? Pete Buttigieg, he was given a cushy job. And what did he do? I'm going on vacation. OK, paternity leave isn't the same as vacation, but you get the point. Wow. Cheryl Atkinson said my grocery store. There's plenty of food. It's not as if we will starve. But I've never seen empty shelves like this in my lifetime. It's almost like a communist nation, right? No toilet paper again. Thanks, empty shelves, Joe. What I love about this is that when people criticize the the administration and say that what they're doing is causing economic strife, the left goes, (laughs) you're literally showing what, what, what life is like in capitalism. Conservatives will be like, hey, this is what life is like under communism. And they're like, literally capitalism. And it's not literally capitalism. We have government interference that shuttered the economy. This is centralized economic control. Get it, get get it together, guys. Capitalism, whatever you want to call it, corporate collusion with government to restrict and gain power for the wealthy. Nobody likes that. I don't care what you call it. Just call it corporatism. Be done with it. Everyone Everyone agrees it's bad. Here's the problem, my friends. I bring you to one of my favorite metrics, the Civics National Economy Poll. And as we can see, the plurality of individuals say the economy is very bad at 32%, with 30% saying fairly good and 30% saying fairly bad. So a bit split. 3% think the economy is very good. How is that possible? Well, those people must live under rocks. You know, perhaps the real estate agents who don't pay attention to politics at all are probably thinking the economy is great. Sight unseen purchases, rich people moving to rural areas where land once cost a couple hundred K now going for a million plus, And they're just snapping it up like that. And these real estate agents are like, we're raking it in. Maybe maybe that's who thinks the economy is going well right now. Let's break it down by party Democrat. 
Here we go. 54% of Democrats believe the economy is fairly good. Yo, they can't even build shipping container homes for low-income families because the shipping containers are too expensive. That's, I, I, that's kind of like a fire truck on fire. That's the definition of irony. How about that? 24% of Democrats say fairly bad. Thank you for at least understanding. But I'm not convinced these people are actively paying attention if they're still considering themselves to be Democrats. 7% say very bad. 6% say very good. Let's take a look at Republicans. Among Republicans, 54% say very bad. 34% say fairly bad. 88% of Republicans think the economy is bad in some way. 10% for some reason say fairly good, but less than 1% say very good. And now to my favorite group, political independence. 38% say very bad. 32% say fairly bad. 22% say fairly good and 2% say very good. I find it fascinating that independent voters and Republicans are, are almost in complete agreement. I mean, there's some outliers here, right? Some Democrat-leaning independents. But we're talking about 70% of independents and 88% of Republicans saying, yo, the economy ain't good in some capacity. And the Democrats outright just being like, we think it's, it's good. It's fairly good. Wow. Like, do you even pay attention to what's going on? Apparently not. I mean, let me just let me let me let me get into the, a little bit more detail on the shipping containers thing. Shipping containers, apartments opening delayed by global shortages, developer said. Look at these photos. It looks kind of cool, to be completely honest, but they're not building luxury homes. These are shipping containers for people to live in. Now, I got to be honest. I like the idea of getting shipping containers, but not as your prime principal residence. I mean, well, I'll put it this way. If you're, if you're downsizing, if you're minimizing, and you want to buy a plot of land, bury a shipping container in it, and turn it into a house, I actually think that's fantastic. Homesteading, back to basics, reduction, minimalism. But when they're building apartment complexes out of shipping containers, have you guys ever seen Ready Player One, where the main character lives in the stacks, where the mobile homes are all stacked up? Yo, look what they're doing. Thanks, Joe Biden. Empty shelves, Joe. Let's take a look at the prices. The Daily Mail says the real cost of inflation. Steak has soared 22%. Kids' shoes by 12%. Washing machines, 19%. Despite an official rate of 5.4%. As the value of dollars on pace to be cut in half in just 13 years. Oh, I think it's way worse than that, my friends. Take a look at this. Wow, televisions, 13%. Sporting goods, 7 Hotels are up 20%. Used cars, 24%. News cars, 9%. Bacon, whoa, whoa, whoa. Bacon is up 19%, ladies and gentlemen. So I'll tell you what. My bacon investments are turning out pretty good because last year we bought a whole bunch of bacon vacuum sealed and we put it in the deep freeze. Not because I was worried about the apocalypse, just because we have a lot of people here and I didn't want to reorder bacon from the farm. So I was like, let's get a bunch and put it in the deep freezer and we can pull it out when we need to. 19%. Man, I went, I went to a farm and I bought some fresh meats, some, some uh, ground trucks, some steaks, some bacon. It was insane how expensive this stuff is. Insane. But I guess if you want the good farm fresh stuff, it's going to be way up there. Across the country, consumers are growing increasingly irate at the rising cost of groceries, gas, and housing. I definitely feel like it's higher than ever, New Orleans resident Peyton McClellan told WVUEDT. Stuff that should be a dollar is like $3. It's ridiculous. Pasta, definitely. Ground beef, milk. Y'all, y'all who voted for Joe Biden, are you happy yet? Was this worth it? 
You live in a blue stronghold like New Orleans or whatever these cities. Y'all voted for this. And we begged you. We tried to tell you, please, anyone but crooked, crazy Joe. They didn't care. A lot of people correctly said, you know, as much as Joe, uh, as much as Donald Trump is, a, is kind of a bad person, he's kind of a nasty guy. He's the guy you need to to help an economy recover. But instead, they did everything backwards. We end up with a president who's probably the, probably the worst president for a, a major pandemic, Donald Trump. And why do I say that? He was great on the economy. I love a lot. I, I loved many of his policies. He was for school choice. I'm a big fan. But when it came to the to, to, to COVID, what did he do? Fauci? Come on. Trump could have done so many different things. Not the worst, not the best. But at the time when we truly needed Donald Trump the most, when we needed to make some money, get the economy going, they bring in Sleepy Joe. Man. Well, here's what you can reap, what you have sown. From Fox 5, pumpkin shortage hits the U.S. ahead of Halloween. Tell your friends, man, pumpkin shortage. Local farms, they got pumpkins and gourds up the wazoo. They report the U.S. could be facing a pumpkin shortage because of several issues, including weather conditions, shipping issues, and a fungus in some areas, according to recent reports. Pumpkin prices also appear to be increasing compared to last year. According to the USDA, Illinois harvests the most pumpkins in the U.S., though pumpkins are grown all across the U.S. Last year, the top six pumpkin-producing states, Illinois, California, Indiana, Michigan, Texas, and Virginia, harvested more than one billion pumpkins combined. Wow. The USDA reported. However, pumpkins are grown across the U.S. and not just in those six states. However, the Illinois pumpkin crop may not be as plentiful as it has been in the past because of fungus, according to a local station, KSDK. Well, I'm not going to blame Joe Biden for fungus. Some fungus maybe, but not all fungus. Not here. But I will also add too. growing up in Chicago, we, we you always you always bring the kids to the pumpkin patch. And so we would go on a field trip and you ride the tractor or whatever and you see all the pumpkins. It's good fun. Despite the issues with fungus, Illinois Specialty Growers Association Executive Director Ragela Scavuzzo told KSDK that there will there will still be plenty of jack-o'-lantern pumpkins. When you're ready for Thanksgiving and you're looking for that canned pumpkin or you're trying to buy it right now, you may not find the canned pumpkin on the shelves, Scavuzzo told the station. Meanwhile, California pumpkin growers are seeing their crops struggle because of the drought and some places problems with migratory birds and virus. Though many pumpkin growers across the country are having trouble, others aren't seeing any issues at all, according to some reports. I also think, you know, they can point out the shipping issues. Trucks are backed up. And so I'm not going to blame Joe Biden for acts of nature. To be fair, the pumpkin shortage is just something that's happening. But I believe due to shipping, increase in raw materials and prices, that's what we're going to see. Now let's move on to good old Thanksgiving. Well, the pumpkin shortage is going to translate here. As that man said, you ain't going to get that canned pumpkin for your pumpkin pie. Now, what is Thanksgiving without pumpkin pie, my friends? Come on. We recently made some of our own homegrown pumpkin pie. Grew the pumpkins outside. They grow quick, man. They get huge. And then we just, you know, boil and mash it, add some sugar and sweetened condensed milk or whatever. And then there you go. You get pumpkin pie. You got to spice it properly and everything. It was delicious. But it wasn't even Thanksgiving. Now, what are we going to do? More importantly than that, turkeys. How are you going to have Thanksgiving without a turkey? So we went to a local farm and we reserved a turkey. And I told them, give me the biggest turkey you get. And so they're growing the turkeys. They raise them. And in a couple of months, they're going to have big fat turkeys. And they're going to give me a big old one. And hopefully, you know, they do the hard part. And we just have to bake it or whatever. And they brine it. They don't freeze it. It's so awesome. CBS 2 says, turkey farmers say shortage of workers will delay production. Well, the turkeys are certainly eaten and breeding, but who's going to do the hard part? 
to get you that turkey. The holidays are right around the corner, and that means looking for the right turkey for the dinner table. For well over a century, Harrison's Poultry Farm has been making sure one of Thanksgiving's most important guests arrives to the family dinner on time. Everything that goes into producing turkey has made it harder this year, especially labor. Kyle Zimmerman and his brother took over the family business during the pandemic. He says national supply chain issues have increased many costs, but he credits long-standing relationships with small farms for not having an issue with supply. We're placing chicken orders every day. Where turkey orders, we get a few deliveries every week throughout the year. And then our Thanksgiving order, we have so much, so much time to plan for it, and so do the farms. Robert Kaufman runs Hoka Turkey Farms in Waterman, Illinois. He says the problem isn't the turkeys, it's having the people to dress them, take the feathers off, and get them ready to cook. I've been real worried about getting temporary help for the dressing season, Kaufman said. He says he raises about 60,000 turkeys a year, most of which are sold in November. He usually brings in about 100 temporary workers. Right now, he has seven. I can dress with a skeleton crew, but I don't like to. And I won't get the numbers I need. If I have a nice full dressing line, we can do maybe 2,500 birds a day, the pace I'd like to have. So how early is too early to take a claim to a Thanksgiving turkey? We're taking orders currently, and we are noticing that a lot more orders are coming in this year than normal. I do think we will sell out early. The owner of the farm in Dundee said turkeys are just a small part of his business, but said they've already sold out of their pre-sale turkeys. It's about 250. He'll have another couple hundred for resale close to Thanksgiving. We went to a local farm and you thought a form and we reserved one of the turkeys available. And we said the biggest one you get. And they said, we will make sure that the biggest, juiciest, fattest turkey goes to you guys. And they said, don't forget, it's cost per pound. And I'm like, does that mean it's going to be really expensive? And they're like, yep. Okay. But we're buying a big old turkey because we have 30 employees. That's why I don't want to buy two turkeys. So we're going to get one big turkey and I have to bake it for a really long time. But I tell you this, my friends, we have been going to local farms because the supply chain is imploding because we know when we go to the store, cream, bacon, meats are in short and shorter and shorter supply. Pretty sure all the vegan stuff is still there, but uh, not for me, although we did recently get vegan cheese now. Here's where it really starts bugging me out. Christmas tree shortage? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. How do you not have trees? It's the labor shortage. That's the problem. So we can understand this, right? We can understand that what they're basically saying about pumpkins is workers and shipping. What they're saying, and fungus and dried, I get that. I don't want to leave that out, but full context. And what they're saying about turkeys is mostly like the turkeys can breed and grow and eat, but we need people to dress them. That's going to lead to a shortage. Then we have trees. Why? Several reasons for the shortage. They say diseased trees. Really? Now that's freaky. So many people moving here from New York and New Jersey, they're buying real Christmas trees again. So major demand. I would also imagine that shipping plays a role in this as well. We have this story from the Daily Mail. Start buying your Christmas presents now. Retail leaders warn that toys and electrical goods could be in scarce supply. Log jams continue at the ports. Which brings me to this story from the Wall Street Journal. 4.3 million workers are missing. Where did they go? Many economists expect the shortage to last years. Some think it could be permanent. You know, I was asking my friends this. I was like, yo, where is everybody? I made the joke that it was the rapture. I was like, everybody got raptured secretly and they're keeping it a secret. I'm kidding. I don't really think that happened. But where is everybody? And you know what I'm told? They're at home. And I'm like, really, though? Just sitting at home doing nothing? I mean, how are they paying rent? How are they eating food? Yep. Just at home, you, you know, uh, I'm hearing that in cities like Chicago and other places, things are returning back to normal. But seriously, yo, where is everybody? The Wall Street Journal says 
They mentioned the absence, right? It comes as U.S. employers are struggling to fill more than 10 million job openings and meet soaring consumer demand. And another sign of just how tight the labor market is, jobless claims, a proxy for layoffs, fell to 293,000 last week, the first time since the pandemic began. Workers are quitting at or near the highest rates on record in sectors such as manufacturing, retail and trade, transportation and utilities, as well as professional and business services. Participation has fallen broadly across demographic groups and career fields, but has dropped particularly fast among women workers without a college degree and those in low paying service industries, such as hotels, restaurants and childcare. The participation rate experienced its biggest drop since at least World War II in the early months of the pandemic. It partly rebounded last summer and since then has hovered near the lowest level since the 1970s, despite sturdy economic growth and the strongest wage gains in years. Wall Street Journal, please don't leave out inflation. Because I already covered that major inflation. By all means, tell people they're making more money and they still can't afford to buy the bacon. I mean, look, you're going to need a 20% raise to be able to buy the same amount of bacon. You know, people love their bacon. Many economists expected school reopenings, expiring unemployment benefits, and the fading Delta variant to help boost labor force participation this fall. But evidence suggests labor shortages might be deepening. Labor supply declined in September and declined and workers quit at record rates in August. Some economists are concerned that worsening worker shortages reflect longer term shifts, such as the pandemic driven acceleration of retirements that won't reverse. Many expect the labor shortage to last at least several more years, and some say it's permanent. Of 52 economists surveyed uh, by The Wall Street Journal, 22 predicted participation would never return to pre-pandemic level. Quote, our problem is not an economy that doesn't want to get started. It's already started, said Ron Hetrick, an economist at labor analytics firm MC burning glass. It just doesn't have people to make the engine run. We don't know how to reignite this thing right now. Let me break it down for you. People are retiring. That's probably what we saw in August. It's probably even worse in September. You've got people who are in their 50s and during their 60s who say, you know what? Finally, I'm just I'm getting out now. It's just too bad. I, I just can't deal with it. The work is too hard and it's time for me to go. Truckers, there aren't enough. Young people aren't taking these jobs. This is the fault primarily of the boomers. Now, I've said this before, but I don't blame the individual boomers. I blame the generation. They did not raise the millennial generation to do hard work, to respect those who do the critical infrastructure and the trades of this nation. They told every single one of us millennials, go to college and get a liberal arts degree or STEM, which is respectable. But now who's cleaning the toilets? And I mean that respectfully. Who's doing the hard work to make sure our plumbing works? Who's making our building, make sure buildings are getting built? Who's making sure that shipping is happening on time and people are bringing in the materials? These are core functions. And now as older people retire from these jobs, ain't no people to replace them. Now you can jack those prices up, but you're not going to get an urban soy boy to go work at, at a cargo uh, a contain, a shipping uh, a, a, at a port to bring in cargo ships. These New York hipsters are going to be like, that's not for me. I'm going to be a writer. I want to work for BuzzFeed. And there you go. I mean, to be fair, what am I doing? I complain to a camera all day. We produce content and entertainment. Well, we are doing some nonprofit stuff and we are going to start building tech and video games and try and actually make stuff, but we're not doing core critical infrastructure. That's why I truly believe it's all starting to fall apart. The pandemic exacerbated resignations and retirements. Younger people don't pick up these jobs and never wanted to. I remember seeing this meme. They're like the average age of a NASA scientist during the moon landing was like 26 or something. 
the average age of the Mars landing, I think the Curiosity Wafer, was like 45. Where are the young people to get involved in this stuff? Where are the young people to get involved in politics? We got Joe Biden, who's 78, and Donald Trump running against him in 2020, who's all, like 74 or whatever. I, I, I'm, I'm like, where are the younger people? I mean, we got younger politicians for sure. Ron DeSantis is, is like half the age of Trump. A little bit more than half, but you get the point. So maybe, maybe millennials will pick up the slack. Or maybe millennials are a lost generation. They're not doing any core infrastructure work. They're just living in New York, trying to make money selling shows and comics and writing articles for BuzzFeed and clickbait and working in media and being influencers and posting photos of themselves on Instagram. Hey, all well and good. You can make money doing that. But eventually you're like, hey, wait a minute. Nobody's making stuff. Well, they say, don't worry about it. It's all getting made by the Chinese. Chinese workers are willing to work for a dollar an hour, but then the shipping containers stop a flowing. And now all of a sudden there's no food a flowing, nothing to eat. We need truckers. We need people to do work in this country. Ain't nobody doing it. So here we go. At the same time, my friends, I give you Goldman Sachs profit surge 66% to 5.3 billion thanks to M&A boom and success of wealth management app Marcus, sending Wall Street climbing towards its best week since July. Congratulations, Wall Street and Goldman Sachs. They're doing great. They're doing real great. Now, whether or not we're actually going to get a Christmas or a Thanksgiving or a Halloween or whatever is, is of course, up to Dr. Fauci. And he's issued his verdict. Tucker Carlson says patron St. Fauci has made a verdict on Christmas and he has declared Christmas off limits. Well, however, he did come back and say, I read the science wrong. We can have Christmas. Yeah, okay. We're now learning that uh, Dr. Fauci says Halloween will go on this year. When you're wearing a Halloween mask, you can't spread the droplets. Thank you, Dr. Fauci, for giving us your permission. Aside from what's happening with Dr. Fauci and whether or not we're allowed, we also have the vaccine mandates, which are losing. I think this is another exacerbating factor in why the economy is in such dire straits. Of course, people are quitting their jobs. Police in Chicago, the unions, union president says to all the cops, defy it. What are they going to do if half the cops don't show up? They'll cave. And you know what? We're starting to see it. First, take a look at this. Oklahoma attorney general says businesses should ignore federal vaccine mandate. What happens when the federal government comes out with a rule and then all the states give the federal government the middle finger? It's bad. It shows the emperor has no clothes and the federal government needs to maintain the confidence of the people in this country. Otherwise, it will further exacerbate their inability to enforce any other actions. If people say, hey, you guys had another rule you didn't enforce, then I'm not going to follow this one. California, I blame them. Sanctuary state. Now we're seeing this from TimCast.com. Coachella reverses vaccine mandate, saying after seeing firsthand the low transmission data and successful implementation of safety protocols at our other festivals this past month, we feel confident we can update our health policy to allow for negative COVID tests taken within 72 hours or proof of vaccination. Before it was, you got to be vaccinated or else. But you know what? The people are resisting. Freedom flu is here and people are saying no. And because of that, these businesses are being forced to retreat from their despotic forced medical procedure policies. Now, if you want to get the vaccine, I got no problem with that. I think they're great, actually. I just think it's your decision between you and your doctor. And that's something you got to make. Otherwise, you know, we don't want people to, to you know, regret it with an adverse reaction or something. Make sure you're healthy. And I think overwhelmingly you'll be fine. But the mandates are wrong. And the more we speak out, and the more we say no, and the more we're willing to walk away from our jobs, the more they will give 
they will give in and eventually give up. This is a good sign. The vaccine mandates are going to be bad for the economy. Already, I'm hearing these crazy anecdotes about people just like not showing up and the boss is panicking and then reversing course. We have it now with with Coachella saying, okay, okay, negative tests, not good enough. Everybody should still just say no. There was a viral uh, meme. It was a Reddit post where they were like, has anyone else noticed that that it was tales from your servers, right? From waitstaff. Has anyone else noticed your restaurant is super slow after the vax mandate? And this person wrote, no one's coming in. We've only had like 12 tables all day. I'm making no money. And I'm like, yeah, uh, I wouldn't go to a restaurant that did that. That's just me. You know, Walmart's doing some creepy stuff with, you know, CRT training and stuff like that. And so we'll avoid it. But the problem is becoming increasingly difficult to figure out how to source materials without going to these big stores. And I'm not a fan. So we do use Amazon. I try not to. You heard Luke say it on the Tim Castell podcast, try and buy local. I'm looking at local music stores. I'm not going to these chains anymore. I'm going to try and do my best to find family owned mom and pop shops because we want a diversity of authority. Centralized authority is bad. When one big company controls it all, they can do whatever they want. They can charge whatever they want. And then we suffer when they have problems. For the time being, my friends, the holidays are at risk. But I blame Joe Biden and the Democrats seem to think everything's A-OK. Well, they're wrong. I hope you're paying attention and I hope you do what's right for you and your family and you make those decisions, be it vaccination, uh, going to the doctor, um, going to the store to buy goods, buying turkey. You make those decisions that's best for you. I'll just do my best to tell you what's going on and what I think it means. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then.